for your faithfulness, for your power. Hallelujah. Um, for some reason, our broadcast on Facebook is not visual. I'm not sure why, but we're just going to go on ahead anyways. So we are live on Facebook, live on Spotify, and um, we trust the Lord to fill in the gaps. Hallelujah. Okay. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, this is Word for Now. Pastor Francis Seward sends his greetings. I will be giving you all a visual in a second. Let's see if we're good to go. I think we're good to go. Yes, we are. Hello, everyone. Okay. Um, good evening. A little late here. So sorry about that. Um, want to welcome everyone to tonight's session. To tonight's, to tonight's session, yes. Um, we are going to be continuing from where we stopped last time. Um, anyone have any questions? I want to make sure I give room for that. I'll kind of like um, share one or two things as we as I wait for what might be questions about what we spoke about last time. Um, recently, um, this emphasis on feasting, I feel like it's I'm seeing a lot more as I look through the scriptures more and more. I see more of the um, emphasis laid all the way back from like, I think I, I was meditating, like I was prepping up um, or praying, sorry, towards the immersion um, teen and youth conference. And the thought came to my head that, oh, wow, this was actually an emphasis from 2020, um, born of God. And it was when we spoke about Adam and Eve being told by God to eat, eat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, I just want to make sure I put this on Instagram as well and Facebook. Good. All right, we can launch this plane. <sighs> Hallelujah. Um, how's everyone doing? Everyone had a great day? Um, no responses. <laughs> I'm usually shocked when I get, oh, good, there we go. Wow, I'm usually very shocked when I get responses. We thank the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Grateful, I'm grateful. Um, my dad says I should stop um, <laughs> using style to wipe my head when I feel sweaty. Hallelujah. Whenever I set up, um, it takes me a minute or two to get everything in place. And I'm a, I'm a perfectionist, but I like things looking pristine and showing that um, I put in some effort. So I'm not very satisfied with like anything that's run of the mill and not like looking really good. So anyways, um, I was working on this yesterday. Where is my resurrection and righteousness? Yes, this present truth. Hallelujah. Okay, I think we're ready. Priesthood and excellence. The feasts of the Lord. And we are on to Passover. No, Passover. We're on to Pentecost. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our minds. You are showing us, Lord God, the purpose behind our new birth, the purpose behind your coming purpose behind the giving of your spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you're doing. Thank you because you're making us more and more vulnerable, Lord Jesus, and more of who you are. And our union with you, Lord God, is going to become more difficult to deny. We say thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We are joined to you. We are united with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, um, can you speak about the relevance of prophetic palindromes and those feasts you spoke? Oh, I think you messaged me, right? I'm so sorry. Um, had a few things to take care of um, yesterday, but um, okay. So, and these feasts, oh, I'm, I'm 
much to speak in about the feast right now. Uh, that's actually what we've been on for the past few weeks. We've been specific, like you said, we started nailing, I would say Monday, but over the last few weeks, we've just been laying out like the foundation. Because something for um, prophetic palindromes, um, what I would share about that is um, God is, when I say God is very detailed, very specific, and God is a communicating and a talking God. So you're going to find times that God like to communicate and wow but because his ways are higher than our ways code for this computer right you're going to see you look at the back end right you're looking at the foundation of the operating system like i'm talking about like the what's the name of the code they put on the, on the motherboard like the bios the basic input output system um the basic operating system if you look at the code at the base level you're going to be really confused because everything just looks like what on earth is happening Anyone that wants to be able to interact with the computer at that level has to be willing to go through a process of training, right? And, and this is the same thing with God. Um, so many times when God is communing, he naturally communes at a specific frequency, a specific uh, wavelength, and in specific ways. We see this in Hebrews chapter 11, right? Sorry, Hebrews chapter 1. God spoke in times past by, by, by the prophets, amen? But when, we've explained throughout the Open Heavens Conference um, that when God is speaking, and this might even be an emphasis for even um because we, again we're continuing our trajectory from the let me move this out the way our um watchman prophetic conference let me put that flyer up real quick right um our open heavens conference was um a few a few months ago now right um we're continuing on that trajectory so during the open heavens conference we explained that um the inner workings of 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 mankind affects the the rest of the universe. Basically, the ecosystems of the age to come are controlled by the ecosystems within us, right? And what drives ecosystems within us is what our hearts have agreed or fastened to, right? What our hearts agree with. And so for this reason, um, be controlled, amen, amen, who, who, who believes God's word. Hallelujah. And the reason why is because whenever God is speaking, he doesn't speak in isolation. God speaks with context. Creation revolves around everything he's saying. That song by Hillsong, um, um, 100, so will I, 100 billion times. And as you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your brain. So you find that when God is speaking, he doesn't just speak. There are systems, amen, that revolve around whatever he's saying. And all these ecosystems, their goal is to best enunciate, best pronounce, best um, highlight, em emphasize what the Lord is saying and how he wants it to be said. So for example, I said before, like when the Lord wanted to bring the church out of the dark ages, he wanted the Bible published to everyone. Personal talking to you is gone, that's funny. Um, and so what did the Lord do? He took, um, um, he, um, the Lord unlocked um, um, the technology of the printing press. The printing press was first invented during that window of time, amen? The network is cracking at my end. Oh my, please let me know if you're having difficulty hearing what I'm saying. It was, so is it, is it still faulty now? It's fine now, okay, cool. Okay, you're good, you're good, you're good, great. Awesome, awesome, thank you for the feedback, everyone. Okay, I'm going to keep on going. I had to stop recording so I could cut out all that technical stuff. 
So you will see, hallelujah, that um, whenever God is doing anything, when Nigeria, when we discovered, um, when the SU movement um, broke out in Nigeria, I think it was SU or Deeper Life, can't remember which one, um, that was about the same time that we discovered oil in Nigeria, right? So the discovery of oil, it's like God has these, well, I say romantic ways of saying things or parabolic ways of saying things. So you see the Lord sometimes, he's, he's every single time, to be honest with you, he doesn't speak in, in a vacuum, right? God speaks with the universe, if that makes sense. When he says something, the universe like echoes it or tries to best give a platform for what God is saying. And so sometimes God says something at a specific point in time and literally even the time, time itself, time itself is part of God's creation, amen? Sometimes the times itself, they speak also, amen? This is crucial. We've explained before, like um, we've you know, looked at the, when studying the feasts, we've explained um, that the feasts, I'm gonna put the graphic up, right? They run on the lunar calendar, so the Shabbat, Shabbat, Adar, Nisan, these are all lunar months, right? All spaced out um, in chunks of, of 30 days, okay? And yes, and 12 months is 360 days. And so you find that um, whenever God is speaking, whenever the feasts happen, the moon, you know, it's a full moon, right? So um, God is always saying something and you find the universe, the cosmic realm, you know, astrologers, they tap into that in a negative sense, right? The perverted version of that. But if you look at the book of Job, for example, the book of Psalms, Isaiah and some other scriptures, you know, um, you would see the Lord revealing um, his operation about the Pleiades, the Acturus, right? Orion, the Maseroth, hallelujah. So um, uh, my point in saying all these things is that you find times when the Lord is speaking, right? And the message is found in what time it is. Like I know like um, many prophetic people, if you're someone that you're led by the Holy Spirit, you find that whenever time that you wake up to pray, usually like if you're waking up at like three something, if you check Revelations chapter three, many people, they get woken up. I think it's Revelation 323 when the Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. I mean, if anyone hears my voice, you should open up and I'll dine with him and him with me. Many people, they wake up during that time to pray, right? And there's many people that have all of these. There's also time gates, right? Which is when God is speaking. And then that's how my God is speaking. He's speaking. The time itself is also speaking, even if you're not on the Jewish calendar, for example. Does that make sense? And I'm saying that because God is speaking. When God speaks, he speaks in a, you know, um, he doesn't speak English. He, he broadcasts across all frequencies. So God speaks, um, you know, things that can be seen, things that can be heard, things can be felt. Or let me say, like, is the word of God can be seen, heard, felt, tasted, touched, right? Um, it can be observed, can be discerned, perceived, amen? The, the optimal way of God communicating is through a human, amen? Humanity um, is God's peak, the, ep, 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 the pinnacle of God communicating to anyone, really, amen? And um, I'm saying all these things so that we can, you know, uh, we can understand what palindromes are. So many times you find that you might get a number like 1111 or 1212, amen? And um, this might be the time or a date or something like that or whatever. And many times they're tied to, um, you know, shifts um, in the realm of the spirit or different things that are happening. Those are usually things that play out, not in the natural, but in the spiritual realm. That is usually when um, an inauguration or, or initiation into something takes place. Then maybe like years later on, you then see something manifest. So if you, if you find, like if you look at my Instagram page or social media channels, you see me making reference to these things. If you try and track for anything monumental that happened on any of those days, you're probably not going to see anything, right? Because people that, you know, tamper with the world and determine what happens, 
they make sure stuff is done first before they announce what they want to do. Does that make sense? And we, we as believers were supposed to be that way, right? Um, God does the same thing. That's why whenever God comes and tells you anything, he's telling you because he's already done it. Hallelujah. Hope that explains that. Amen. So uh, moving on to the feast, uh, we have looked at um, Passover, at unleavened bread, at uh, first fruits, right? And the, the Hebrew word for Passover is Peshach. Let me see if I have here in my notes the Hebrew word for unleavened bread. No, I don't have that here. So, um, so we have Peshach, unleavened bread, first fruits, and then Shaviot, right? Shaviot, that is Pentecost. Hallelujah. And um, let me just read um, a portion of scripture that will explain how Pentecost works. Amen. Leviticus 23 is a beautiful portion of scripture that lays this out. Leviticus 23 verse 15. I'm before, I'm guessing before next week, I would have my notes in a slide form um, where, where things are more visual and literal so you can see them, if that makes sense. So more like a presentation that, you know, you can take notes or maybe what I'll do is I'll make the PDF available after the series is done. That'll probably help. Amen. So you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath. Now, context wise, this is speaking about references. This is drawing from the Feast of First Fruits. So you shall eat neither bread nor parched grain. Let me see if I can get like a little bit further in 12, 11. Yes, the wave offering to the Lord. So, huh, so verse, let me start from verse 10. Uh-oh, there we go. When you come to land which I give you, keep its reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the, to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. This is the first fruit. We're going to explain this, right? Um, you shall offer on that day when you wave the sheaf a male lamb of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. So you can see they're showing signs of the newness of life. That is the offering, you know, in all of these feasts, you will find there's a part that we have to play is a sacrifice that's brought forward. Right. And there is the blessing that is received by Israel. Amen. So just keep in mind that all of these things are significant, right? So um, the person that is the sign or the proof or the evidence you're partaking of the feast is that you, bring, you brought forward the offering. Um, it it kind of works almost opposite of what happened in the Old Testament. And you can actually say it works either way. So if you want to experience a feast, you bring your offering and then you experience. And if you've experienced a feast, you bring forth the offering if you haven't. Does that make sense? Spiritual things, they work in cycles. The cause is the, the cause and the effect they can be interchanged. So if I, if I want to spend time in the word, right, I can begin to pray for grace to spend time in the word, right? And if I want to pray, right, I can spend time in the word reading about men of prayer and it will stir me up to pray. That's just, amen. These things are in cycles, right? Um, if I want to heal the sick and raise the dead, um, I can go, right, and begin to pray for healing the sick and raising the dead. I can also just begin to just lay hands on people who are, you know, and expect that cycle to begin to turn itself, right? Hallelujah. I hope that last example made sense, but I'm just going to keep on going anyways. <laughs> so it's grain offering shall be two tenths of an ephah of the fine flour mixed with oil. So you see the Holy Spirit there when it says an offering made by fire to the Lord for a sweet aroma and his drink offering shall be of wine, a fourth of a hen. You shall eat neither bread, nor parched grain, nor fresh grain until the same day that you brought an offering to your God. It shall be a statue forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. So basically what's happening here is here we have Feast of First Fruits. Amen. And you're showing, you're bringing forth signs that you're a genuine believer, right? You're walking in the news of life. You're not, 
You've let you've gone through unleavened bread. You've let the past. You've left behind the malice, right? You left behind insincerity. You really want to go after the Lord, and you're bringing forth first fruits of your new birth experience, right? So you're partaking of this feast now. From this point onward, something incredible begins to happen. Amen. I'm going to keep on reading here. Please take note of everything I'm saying. And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Now, the reference here for the Sabbath, amen, is actually, um, just let's keep on reading here. You shall count after the Sabbath from the day that you brought the sheaf of the weave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. So from the end of first fruits, all right, a count up or count down. Of seven Sabbaths, God of the fullness of tabernacles. Okay, so think of each Sabbath as a time of encounter, right? As an indwelling, as a as a fullness of times, if that makes sense. Okay, and I'm saying this because basically, what you're what what each Sabbath means is the fullness of the days, right? That's what seven means, right? Fullness, perfection. Okay, the perfect day, right? The um the path of the just shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. So each you have seven of these perfect days, okay? So you have seven sevens, okay? And seven times seven is 49, hallelujah. Now, what does that speak of, okay? It says here, you shall count seven sevens, okay? Seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. This is the Feast of Pentecost. This is the feast of Shavuot. Shavuot, it means weeks, amen? And it's called weeks because you have seven of them, right? So basically you have, um, the word Pentecost means 50, okay? Seven times seven is 49, or the day after the Sabbath, right? Is 50, right? Hallelujah. So you have 50 days from first fruits. What's actually happening is that each Sabbath, there is a layer of the presence of God, a layer of feasting, a layer, amen, of, of something called weeks. But there is a climax of the weeks that happens at Pentecost. I'm, I'm trying to explain something, okay? Because many believers, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, let me explain something that happens that will help us distinguish some things, amen? I thought before that Pentecost was simply the infilling of the Holy Spirit, amen? But when we look at the original um, time that Pentecost happened, that would help us explain exactly God that we, this will not be too long because to break down Pentecost would require a bit of time to explain some things. Amen. So let's jump real quick to the book of Exodus chapter 19. Amen. And this is a, this for me, this is a popular portion of scripture. Um, and I say it's popular because the Lord's been bringing me here for like so many years. And it's when Israel comes to Mount Sinai. Amen. Now, in Jewish culture and tradition, whenever a, a, a suitor approaches a young virgin, amen, and is interested in marrying her, what he does is that apart from meeting the parents and letting them know, hey, letting his parents know, sorry, I want this woman, I want to, you know, um, <laughs> she just loved the ancient, ancient world, I want to marry that girl. Mom and daddy, go and, go and, <laughs> go and woo her for me, go and do the pickup lines. <laughs> Today's world, one man, I'll be looking at you, son. Go and woo your, hallelujah. 
Amen. And so um, you go, the son would go back and tell his parents, right? And then the parents would go, hallelujah. And then the families would meet together. And then that meeting point, okay, what now happens is the, the suitor presents kind of like his 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 objectives his goals the things that he wants in a marriage right and along with that is like this i'm going to call it like a marriage contract i can't remember what the term is in hebrew but um ah, there's so much symbolism in the bible around this it's insane it's in zechariah um, the vision of zechariah with the two olive trees that pour in their oil into the golden lampstand um in jewish culture what happens that in every home a painting of that um, or a picture of that is hung where um, that verse in um, Malachi that says um, he has, um, because of the residue of the spirit, um, he made them both twain, male and female. And why? That he may receive a godly seed. Amen. Um, and it's a picture. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm rambling. I'm not making any sense to you. Just forgive me. Amen. But basically, um, this picture of marriage, hallelujah, is, is what the seven feasts are. That's the best way I can explain it. The place where proposal happens, amen, um, is what God was doing at Mount Sinai during Pentecost. Does that make sense? The event that happened at Mount Sinai was actually God coming to Israel to propose to them. And when he did that, he brought to them the terms of his marriage contract. I am understanding this as I'm saying it. I'm, I'm just getting new perspective now from the Zechariah vision. That's crazy, dear Lord, okay. So the Lord descends um, upon the mountain, and when he descends, he begins to thunder what we call the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments was actually God reading out his marriage contract, saying, I want to marry you, but this, these are the terms of my marriage. And so you see pictures of those. Uh, let's just look real quick and get a few snapshots here and there. We can't read the whole thing. Um, let's start from verse um, three. Moses went to God and God called to him saying, you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell children of Israel, you see what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. All the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to children of Israel. So here is the Lord like presenting, he's showing his interest in Israel. And then Israel responds with, sure, whatever the Lord says, we will do. And the, basically, um, if you look at the narrative, um, the elders responded, right? And um, in the next says, oh, the Lord is what we will do. So Moses brought back the worst people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Now, What's happened here is that God has shown interest in Israel and Israel's parents, the elders said, sure, whatsoever the Lord wants to do, we will do. And so God now says, okay, I, I need to impress. <laughs> I need to impress. I need to show off. Paul K. Davis has a teaching on this that's beautiful. It's powerful where he explains what actually happens. Maybe I'll post this on a group chat so everyone can enjoy and be blessed by this, but I'm telling you what happens next is insane. Um, but God tells um, Moses, Moses is kind of like uh, his wingman and he's God is telling him like, hey, so um, tell them to get ready because I'm coming and I'm coming. I'm coming to get I want to I want to propose. I want um, I don't want this to be I don't, I don't want to propose in 
I almost said Mr. Biggs, amen. But I want I want this to have value, amen. I don't want to propose in the mechanic workshop. I want to I want something that is memorable. I want something that you are going to remember for all generations. So God told Moses, Behold, I come in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. The whole point of this is that God wanted to show off to Israel how amazing he is, so they would respond to his marriage. It's kind of like how um, you see male animals when they're trying to impress a female, usually the male animals, they're usually more um, like the lion, for example, has a big mane. And I think the male peacock has all these feathers, right, that are so bright and colorful. And all of that is to get the intention of the female, amen. That's what the Lord was wanted to do here, amen. And so the Bible says, if you keep on reading, um, you shall set bounds with the people all around. Take heed to yourself that you do not go up to the mountain and touch, touch his base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. But when the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. Hallelujah. So this event here is Pentecost. Let us say it again. This event here is Pentecost. This is the first time Pentecost ever happened in the Old Testament. So this is the first time, all right? So this is the first um, the first rehearsal. We read earlier on the um, inauguration in Leviticus 23. And someone would ask, where is the fulfillment, amen, of Pentecost in Christ? And the answer is in Acts chapter two, right? We're very familiar with that portion of scripture. I'm gonna jump there real quick. Bible says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, let's read that, okay? When the day of Pentecost had fully come, the reason why um, Luke was specific about pointing out when it had fully come was because Pentecost actually lasts the entire span of those 50 days, but it is a buildup until the fullness of the weeks. Does that make sense? So the climax, amen, is the feast of Shavuot. okay? So it's like there's all this buildup, 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 50. Does that make sense? It's kind of like, um, I'm wondering what example to give here, but um, it's kind of like um, the critical mass and then the explosion happens, if that makes sense. Amen. So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues of fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And when you read what happened in nation Israel, Moses went up on the mountain to people, sanctified them, and they washed their clothes. That's preparation for the Lord coming. That's like Jesus Christ when he told them, um, tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be due with power from on high. Isn't it preparation? Um, I, can, you re, can you restate that question so I can, I can get what you're saying? Yes, they had to prepare. Yes, they had to prepare. Jesus Christ told them, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And that did not happen until when Pentecost had fully come. And God told Moses, tell the people, no one should cross the boundary. He said they should wash their clothes and prepare until the third day. And that's what Moses told them to prepare, amen, for Pentecost. So Pentecost is a feast that is, you have, you have a part to play in it, if that makes sense. Israel, they watched the Lord deliver them from Egypt. They did nothing. Um, the Passover lamb was the only thing they did. They had to believe, right? That's us believing in the gospel. That's all we have to do, right? So we don't see that's all we have to do the entire way through. But the measure of work, as far as believing is concerned, to get you born again, is so minuscule, amen? You, you barely have, the reason why is because it is not your faith that saves you, amen? It's the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ that saves you. That faith that Jesus Christ has is imputed into, in, into you, amen? 
the uh, faith of the elect, our most holy faith, hallelujah. But your heart has to respond in a specific way to allow that incredible miracle to take place on the inside of you, hallelujah. But the other feast, you, you, there is more participation expected, right? Hallelujah. So um, be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. This speaks about consecration, okay? Um, come near your wives means here um, because basically um, Israel was about to be inaugurated as priests, amen? And part of the priestly rituals is that there's some things that do not happen in the most holy place. God wanted all of Israel's attentions to be, attention, sorry, um, to be upon him, amen? So it's kind of like, I'm coming to propose to you, no phones, like while, we're, while I'm proposing. Imagine like someone is proposing to you, you're like, sure, yeah, I'll, um, I'll get back to you. <laughs> it's kind of insulting, right? The least you could do is honor the Lord, amen? And so um, that's what the Lord is saying here. So moving on, it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightning. So this mirrors and parallels what happened in, in the book of Acts chapter two, a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the, mount of the mountain. Now Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. This is what happened in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, amen? It's smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. This is also what happened in Azusa, amen? There are secular reports. Um, there's actually um, newspaper clippings you can find anywhere online that will show you that there were sightings several times of, of huge puffs of smoke, literally looking like the the building, the stable where Azusa Street, um, where the revival took place on the street of Azusa, um, that building, there were pillars of fire and pillars of cloud, um, of smoke, sorry, that would, isn't that Joe chapter two, amen? <laughs> that's so cool. Wow, that's so cool. Anyways, um, that would, you know, take off. Maybe that's why Peter knew that's what was happening. Anyways, uh, <laughs> that's crazy, right? Blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Interesting. Anyways, so um, that, um, that manifestation also took place in Azusa. Amen. They saw, literally saw pillars of fire. In fact, it was known back then that the glory cloud, the smoke would get so thick that children would play hide and seek in the glory cloud. Amen. They would actually get jars and fill them up with like the glory smoke and take them home. Amen. These heavenly manifestations became physical things from the uh, from the natural from the supernatural the spiritual realm amen became more tangible to even the average person okay and when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder moses spoke and god answered him by voice then the lord came down upon mount sinai on the top of the mountain and the lord called to moses to the top of the mountain and moses went up hallelujah this was the invitation the proposal of the lord hallelujah now Excuse me. What happened here, amen, was that God actually wanted Israel to climb up into the mountain to be with God for 40 days and 40 nights, amen? 40 is a number for birthing something. A woman is pregnant with a child for about 40 weeks, amen? Times seven, 280 divided by 30, about nine, nine months, yes, exactly, yes, 40 weeks, amen? And during that space of 40 weeks, something is birthed. God wanted Israel to come up to be with him, amen? And that invitation to come up to be with him is Pentecost, amen? This is a process through which we as believers, all right, discover 
amen, our union with Messiah in a very tangible way. The language for this is captured in scripture will be clearly seen by this phrase in Romans chapter eight, when the Bible says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Basically the feast of Pentecost is the initiation, if you may, into the law of the spirits of life in Christ Jesus. Someone asked me, how do you know that? Because in the first Pentecost, amen, it wasn't just that the spirit was poured out, amen, specifically the law, amen, what we call the Ten Commandments was dished out from the mountain. In fact, if you keep on reading, let's just keep on reading, okay, chapter 20, and you see, and the Lord spoke all these words, saying, I'm Lord your God, watch out for me, Egypt, you make no God before me, no graven images, right? Um, um, no name, don't, don't take Lord, the Lord's name in vain, amen. <laughs> um, no graven images, keep, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, honor your father, your mother, and on, 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 on. Hallelujah. Um, you keep on seeing um, that, or you see this picture here that on the day of Pentecost in the Old Testament, amen, the law was given, amen, the law was given. But in the New Testament, on the day of Pentecost or in the Feast of Pentecost, the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus is given, amen. Now this feast, amen, is found in the Holy Spirit, which if you are born again, if you're partaking of Passover, please again, the entire Passover, the entire, um, the entire spectrum of the seven feasts of Israel, amen, all the feasts of the Lord, amen, they are all measures of impartations of the spirits of God, but there is one that stands right in the middle, hallelujah, called Pentecost, and during this feast, the law of the New Testament is given. It is a little, you know, explaining this might require a little bit of um, extra work in being thorough so that we all understand what's been, what's happening here but i'm trusting the lord for utterance and grace that we can you know break through with understanding to see what exactly pentecost is amen to understand what pentecost is we need to look at this narrative amen from a bird's eye view because we can't read the whole way through amen but basically what happened was that god invited israel up to mount sinai amen and israel said no if you read exodus 20 i think from verse um um 18 oopsie yes yes from verse 18 after god you know comes with the marriage proposal and all the people witnessed the thunderings the lightnings the flashes the sound of a trumpet the mountain smoking when people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off so basically this god is too much amen and the response should be wow he is so much i can't wait to get married to him amen um but they trembled and they stood afar off and they said to moses you speak with us and we will hear but let not God speak with us lest we die. Can you imagine this? It's like you're trying to marry this hood ratchet girl, amen? Someone um, who is not as, maybe um, your son is born into privilege, amen? You become a very wealthy family, hallelujah. And you see a girl somewhere, maybe she's selling oranges or something, I don't know. And then you propose to her and you want to blow her mind. And so you do something that will blow her mind. You really blow her mind. And in doing that, you, you scare her away. But not scared her away as in she's shy, scared her away as in, no, I don't want this. <laughs> That's what happened here. Amen. Hallelujah. This is a feast we're meant to partake of so that we can see the awesomeness of God. Amen. Hallelujah. The greatness of God. And the whole point of this, this feast is that we as, as Israel, as Jews inwardly, amen, we would respond to the Lord's marriage proposal. Hallelujah. Okay. 
Moses then said to people, please don't be afraid for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. That law of the spirits of life is the giving of the seven spirits of God. When Moses says right here, okay, and I'm going to show this to us using many scriptures, okay? Please pay very close attention, okay? Do not be afraid for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. Now, it is the fear of the Lord that God wants Israel to partake of. Basically, God's marriage proposal to Israel, amen, was an impartation of the spirit of the fear of the Lord. That's what happened in the Old Testament. That is actually how every Christian should live. The Bible says those who are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. To be able to, to live this out practically, amen, as it is captured in the scriptures, amen, requires that we feast on the Lord, amen. What I mean by that is that there is a feasting on the, uh, on, on, on the seven spirits of God that we're meant to come into. Paul prayed about that in Ephesians chapter one, when he prayed that, um, to, uh, you know, about the Ephesian church that had already been filled with the Holy Spirit. They already spoke with tongues, right? They already had um, the gift of the Holy Spirit um, in manifestation. But he said something, right? Paul prayed and he said, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the Lord, would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know the hope of his calling, right? The riches of his glory and inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, amen? That is Pentecost Paul was praying for them to experience. Please hear me out, okay? Pentecost is not, you've not finished partaking of Pentecost just because you received the Holy Ghost baptism, amen? Hallelujah. You partake of Pentecost, the feast, amen, when you have successfully downloaded, amen, the law of the spirits of life in Christ Jesus, or you have um, um, received, amen, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, amen. Now I'm going to show this to us, amen, in many different ways. Hallelujah. When um, uh, when um, God says this, um, when sorry, when um, Israel, you know, basically denies the Lord, Bible says twenty one. People stood afar off, and Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. The Lord said to Moses, "Thus you shall say to the children of Israel." And he goes on to speak about sacrifices and different things. But I want to draw your attention to another portion of scripture, right? And this is in Exodus 24. I've explained this a few times that um, there is a snapshot of what God wanted Israel to partake of that is kind of shown here. I like the, that the Lord did this. Um, God told him to come up. Even though they said no, God still called up the 70 elders. So he brought the, the, um, the, the bride's dad, right? The father of the bride, so that he could show them how awesome he is, right? And um, I'm going to jump here to verse nine. Then Moses went up, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand, so that they saw God, and they ate, and they drank. Amen? This feast that Israel's partaking of here is what Pentecost should have been. Amen for them, but instead it was just this display with no feasting at the end. Amen. Now look at what happens immediately after the feasting is done. Okay. Once the season of feasting happens, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering 
And this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins, dyed red, badger skin, acacia wood, oil for the light, spice for the lentil oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stone, stone, blah, 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 and let them make me a sanctuary. Hallelujah. Basically, what's happening is that Pentecost is necessary, amen, for the building of tabernacles. If, let me say it like this. If you do not partake of Pentecost, you cannot partake of tabernacles. I'm going to show that to us in this graphic here, right? If you do not go through this early summer feast of Pentecost, you cannot partake of the fall feasts. Does that make sense? So in other words, I must, amen, I must be filled with the knowledge of the will of God in all wisdom, amen, and spiritual understanding so that I can walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing and be fruitful in every good work, amen, strengthened with might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, amen, giving thanks to the Father who is qualified to be partaking of the of the saints in life, amen. I must partake, amen, of the meal of the seven spirits of God. Now, I'm going to show this to us in a different way, amen, just so that everyone understands that I'm not just pulling this out of my butt, amen, or out of my hat or something. Hallelujah, it's a magic trick, amen. What is about to happen here is that if Israel would have gone up on the mountain, amen, to dine and feast with God, amen, a process, amen, that you see reference all throughout the book of Exodus, amen, several times um, would have ensued. And that process is the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments. That's when God wrote upon the, the Ten the Tablets of Stone, right, the Ten Commandments, amen. That, that is the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, okay? So the testimony was meant to be written, amen, during, um, hallelujah, the process of writing was meant to be initiated um, during Pentecost. Now, let me show this to us um, from the scriptures. Let's jump real quick to Exodus 31 from verse 18. Hallelujah. So let's go here. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. I'm going to read this again, okay? When he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Now, when you hear finger of God, what should come to your heart and mind should be the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. But what I want to point out real quick, amen, is that, um, actually, I was actually there just now. What did I go away from there? Yes, 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 yes. Um, let me, so, have two scriptures to explain this operation of God called the finger of God, amen? One of them is Luke, should we use Luke? No, please don't do that to me, I beg you. Come on, what? You are blessed in Jesus' name. Uh... Hmm. Good job. Okay, let's go to Matthew. No. Hmm. If I by the Spirit cast out, let me see here, devils. Hmm. Let me, I'm trying to find that scripture in... Um, Okay. Oh, come on. Who knows what that scripture is? Where Jesus Christ says, if I by the spirits of God. Um, oh, come on. No. 
man, I'm having difficulty finding the scripture. Anyone know where that is? If I, by the Spirit of God, cast out Matthew 12. Thank you. Sheesh. <laughs> From verse 28. Okay. So here's Jesus saying this, okay? And this is me explaining what the finger of God is, amen? If I cast out demons by the spirits of God, surely the kingdom of God is come upon you. I'm going to read it again. If I cast out demons by the spirits of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. This is referenced in Luke chapter 11, okay? Verse 20, but in a different way. Jesus says it like this. If I cast out demons with the finger of God, Surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. If I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So what you're seeing here is that that operation of the finger of God, amen, is actually an operation of the spirits of God, amen. And you can see why I, I, I jumped to say it. it's the spirits, the seven spirits of God, right? You're going to find out why exactly I specify the seven spirits of God. The seven spirits of God and the Holy Ghost are the same thing, amen, the same person, amen. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. He's the spirit of might, amen. He's the spirit of wisdom. He's the spirit of, of understanding. He's the spirit of counsel, spirit of mind. He's the spirit of knowledge. He's all of these things, amen. He's the spirit of grace. He's all of these. This, all of these, um, what happens that the spirits of God, when he wants to bring forth might, he's called the spirit of might. Strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, amen. So when he wants to bring forth wisdom, amen, he's the spirit of wisdom, amen. Hallelujah. Now, these seven distinct operations, they're called the finger of God, okay. There is a reason why I'm specifying this so that we can see exactly what needs to happen here. Amen. Now, we saw Jesus Christ explains that um, what this operation does, that it drives away evil spirits. Amen. It drives away um, dark operations. Amen. I'm going to explain why this is very important. And one of the ways I'm going to show this to us is by using. We're going to use two portions of scripture. We're going to use Exodus chapter 8. I think 8 verse 19, right? Am I correct? Exodus chapter 8. Hallelujah. Huh. Good job, Francis. Oh, man. Yes, Exodus 8. I'm correct. Exodus 8 from verse 19. Is this making sense to anyone? All this adding up? Um, even if it doesn't add up, <laughs> we will learn God's word, amen. Okay, so let's start from verse 16. The context in this portion of scripture is that um, basically the plagues are, thank you, the plagues are being poured out upon, upon Egypt, amen? And I've explained before that the plagues, amen? We've explained this when we went through the, the seven bowls of wrath, amen? The plagues, the bowls of wrath, amen? It's actually outpourings of the spirits of God. Because in Egypt, demons were worshipped, when the spirits of God come into an atmosphere like that, the people that are Ad, you know, ad, administering those that demonic presence, amen? People that are recipients of these um, demonic infestations, they discover that those evil spirits are boils, are flies, are frogs, amen? So basically, it's not that God is punishing anyone, it's just that the evil spirit that you've been friends with is actually a plague. Does that make sense? Well, because he doesn't manifest that way until the Holy Spirit shows up, many times the Holy Spirit's coming is heralded by plagues, or it's like God warns you, if you don't repent, when I come, I will judge you. It's not because God is going to punish you, amen? It is because that thing that you don't, you're refusing to let go of is itself a monster, amen? And it can look like it's not a monster in the dark, but when the light of God shows up, its true nature would manifest. So God warns people that the truth 
amen, of your interactions, amen, might be more painful than you're willing to swallow. So before the truth is manifest, repent, amen? So that's what's happening here. Um, God is about to release another operation of the spirits of God, amen? And what's been happening here is that um, basically all throughout um, the book of Exodus, you see chapter eight, I think chapter seven too, you keep on seeing um, measures of the Holy Spirit being poured into, into Egypt, right? The first plague, first of all, starting off with the rod becoming a serpent, right? Then the water to blood, amen? Then the plague of frogs, amen? And if you check, whenever any of these things took place, amen? The magicians, amen? Jambres and Johannes, amen? What did they do? They replicated everything that he was doing, amen? I'm, I'm saying, I'm pointing this out because there is a measure of the spirits of God, amen, that Jesus Christ said is called the finger of God. And what does it do? It drives away evil spirits. I'm, I'm, I'm going to explain what I'm saying here, okay? Say to Aaron, stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so for Aaron stretched out his hand and with his rod and struck the dust of the earth and it became lice on man and beast and all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt, okay? Now the magicians worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice on men and beasts. Hallelujah. Beautiful, yes. Let there be light and boom, there was light. That which was without form and void began to come forth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And that's what happened here, right? There was an outbreak, amen, of light. And this, when, when um, his rod struck the dust of the earth, it's shed light upon Egypt and all of the dust in Egypt. You know how scary that must have been? That means if you had dust on your shirt, amen, what happened? It just became lice. So any sand anywhere, if you're in your room, you close your door, but there's one grain of sand in your room. It just transformed into lice. So because of Satan's work in, in Egypt, lice was all over Egypt, but they didn't know. So the lights of God exposed that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. I'm going to say that again. This is the finger of God. Now, this operation of the Spirit of God, amen, he does something here. When this operation of the Spirit of God is at work, no other spirits can be manifest at the same time. Dare I say, the Feast of Pentecost, amen, is, a, is the feast that can only be found in the holy place. You know, in the tabernacle, you have these layers, amen, of penetration into the presence of God, right? The tabernacle is also a picture of your spiritual journey as well, amen? When you're in the outer court, there is a mixture of things that takes place. You're exposed to the sun, right? And the moon and the elements and rain, right? And thunderstorms and, and, and sunlight and the stars, amen? Those things are visible and present. But once you enter the holy place, beloved, the only thing you are able to experience in the holy place, amen, is the smell of the unction, the anointing oil on the priest, because the entire, the holy place was charged. Anointing oil is a very potent, has a very potent fragrance. It can douse you. If more than a drop touches you, it can make you black out. It, you know how people, they smoke weed and they get high? That thing can make you go high almost immediately. It is very potent, very thickly saturated, okay? So you have that fragrance all over the holy place. You walk into the holy place and your senses are jammed, right? You're, you're jammed with the fragrance of the anointing oil. And as this is taking place, you're being dazed, the only lights that you can see is coming from the seven golden candlestick, amen? Now, this is the only light you can use to function. That, the flames there are mystical. There is a specific operation that energizes that flame, 
Amen. If you try and do it contrary, you are going to pollute the work that's gone going there. I believe the flame can only be kindled from the golden altar, from the place of intercession for the body. Amen. So in that place of the golden altar, that's where the fire is taken from, right? And then um, I can't remember, I think it's olive oil that is then used, amen, to keep the lamp burning. Amen. Hallelujah. In that place, there is no sunlight, no moonlight, no stars, no nothing. That's what Pentecost represents. A time of feasting with God alone without any spirit. That finger of God driving away all evil spirits. What am I speaking of? A time, it's like an engagement, right? A, when, when, you're, when you're, let's say you go on a date with um, a girl that you like, you go on a date with her friends, right? But when it comes to things like courtship, right? You're in marriage. There is no one else that is in that business except for you and your bride, right? Or your fiance. And if what I'm saying is making sense, amen? Hallelujah. And that's what's happening here. Jesus said, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, then the kingdom of God is coming upon you. Amen? That is what is at play here. Now, someone asked, but why did you say the spirits of the Lord? Hallelujah. Let's go real quick to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm going to end with this. Hallelujah. Thank Yes, intimacy. Thank you. So um, I think it's Papa. Papa said intimacy. Hallelujah. That's actually what um, the Feast of Pentecost is. Amen? The language of Pentecost is marriage. It is bridal union, amen? An initiation into bridal union. That demands you have no other idols, amen? You still have idols before you partake of the feast, amen? But you begin to, remember what they said? Keep away from your wives, right? Wash your clothes, amen? There is actually an offering necessary to partake of Pentecost. Christians do not passively partake of that feast. You must prepare or you will not be able to dine with the Lord. The fruit of partaking of that feast is that you can build the sanctuary. Remember what we read before? Or that you can partake of the fall feasts, which are trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So Paul is going to speak about this. Amen. Look what he says here. Okay. Verse two, you are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read by all men. You are on an epistle of Jesus Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not in tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. Now he's making reference here to what happened on the mountain with Moses. Moses, um, hallelujah, said that the Ten Commandments were written by the finger of God. Amen. Hallelujah. That operation of the spirits of God. And you're seeing here Paul say the same thing. Amen. But this time around, not on tables of stone, but on tables, tablets of flesh, that is of the heart. Amen. What, what Paul is trying to capture here, amen, is that in the Feast of Pentecost, amen, the Spirit of God, the finger of God ministers to you, amen, but the, the law of the Spirit of life is not given externally, amen, it's actually given in your subconscious, amen, this is actually what, where, where all the feasts should be partaken of, but there is something specific that takes place in your subconscious. The Feast of Pentecost, amen, is, for lack of better words, a dining with the Lord alone, where the only influence, amen, that's allowed to govern your heart, amen, during that point in time, is the spirit. I'm going to say the spirit of the Lord. And you're going to see the reason why, amen. Because in this portion of scripture, hallelujah, let's start from verse 14. When Paul makes reference, amen, to... Whew, thank you, Jesus. To the writing of the epistles of Christ that we are, what union does a harlot have with you, 
Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much, Papa. That is beautiful. Amen. I don't know if anyone can see the chat room right there. Amen. Papa, just send this in. What union does a harlot have with you? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you can tell here that the Holy Spirit already has you. Can you see that? The Spirit of the Lord is God's engagement ring. If you read the Passion Translation of Ephesians chapter 1, when he speaks about the earnest of our inheritance, he says the Holy Spirit is an engagement ring, a guarantee. Amen? He's the earnest of our redemption. Sorry, earnest of our inheritance onto the redemption of the purchased possession. possession. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm going to read from verse 15 here. 14. Their minds were blinded, for till this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. He's speaking about Moses here as the law, the Ten Commandments, right? Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Notice how he's making reference to Moses as the Old Testament. Amen. And prior on, he said that you are the epistle of Christ. So basically, he's saying here that people are being branded by the writings of God. Amen. But he's saying here in the Old Testament, the branding happened externally to children of Israel, but the writing is going to be happening internally. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And he explains the difference between what happens in us and what happened even in Moses, even in Moses' ministry. That's in earlier um, verses in chapter, um, chapter three, which in between where we stopped and then right here where we are right now. Even to this day, when Moses read a veil lies in their hearts, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now he explains what it means when one turns to the Lord. This is what happens at Pentecost. Please listen carefully, amen. This is what happens in Pentecost, amen. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. This veil he's speaking of, amen, is found at the door. What the threshold between the um, outer court and the holy place, amen. In between these two, amen, is this thing, um, this pillar. Um, these five pillars, amen, the door of the, of the tent, amen, you have to cross through that screen to get into the holy place, amen, once you cross through, amen, the veil is taken away, now, <laughs> he explains that this crossing through, amen, is us turning to the Lord, hmm. now, when he says the Lord, look how who he calls the Lord, now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, this phrase here, where the Lord is, is twain. It's I'm going to call, I'm going to say it's a twain. It's like a double-edged thing is happening here, amen? He's saying where the spirit is Lord, because the spirit of the Lord is everywhere, right? There's no place the spirit of the Lord isn't. But where the spirit is Lord, I'm going to say this again. Where the spirit is Lord is what Paul is speaking about here. It's not just every, because the Holy Ghost, I can play an anointed worship song, Amen. Let me explain it like this. When the plagues were administered in Egypt, amen, first plague was a measure of the spirit. Let's say 5,000 cubits. Second plague, 5,000 cubits again. Third plague, another few thousand cubits. As the plagues kept on mounting up, there were increased measurements, amen, of the inflow of the spirits of God. There is a threshold, amen. There is a measurement that corresponds to an operation of God called the finger of God, Amen. Through which the testimony is written. Amen. Which is what Israel was invited to partake of at Pentecost. Or the Spirit of the Lord, as Paul is calling it here in the New Testament. I hope everyone understands. There is a measure, amen, of the Holy Spirit's infiltration of our souls 
that qualifies as the Feast of Pentecost. So what I'm saying making sense. That's why it's called the Feast of Weeks. You have first week, a fullness. Second week, another fullness. Third week, another fullness. The goal is to get to Pentecost. At Pentecost, the finger of God manifests for the writing of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When you get to Pentecost, the Holy Spirit becomes seven. You see wisdom, you see might, you see understanding, you see counsel, amen? You see knowledge, you see the fear of the Lord, hallelujah. But to partake, in, partake of that thing, we have to get to Pente. We have to get to 50. We have to get to the seventh week. Does everyone see what I'm saying here? There are measurements. What am I saying here? This, these things they call five course meals, right? Something called a balanced diet, right? There's prescribed um, daily recommended intake. There is a recommended intake of the Holy Spirit that qualifies you, amen, to experience. When I say qualifies you, you're already qualified in Christ Jesus, amen? But what I mean by that is that you are not, there is a volume of the Spirit of God that you have to have already roaming or trafficking in your subconscious, amen? For that operation, the finger of God to be made manifest. What I'm saying making sense. It's kind of like you're taking the Holy Ghost in like little doses. One dose, two doses, three doses, four doses. Once you get to 50 doses of the Holy Spirit, you see that the person you've taken as pills becomes the person on the inside of you. Amen. Paul says it like this in, um, in Ephesians chapter three, that Christ may dwell in your heart by his spirit in the inner man. Remember that in Ephesians chapter three, right? When he said, um, I bow to the Father of glory, I bow to the um, Father in heaven, uh, um, Father glory by, um, by whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that you will be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, amen? That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. So the spirit of might, again, the seven spirits of God, spirits of the Lord, the seven spirits of God, that operation, they're all, um, they're, they're not um, manifest, separately they're all manifest at the same time in us amen some of them are, are highlighted at different points in time but they're all present once the finger of god is there that finger of god amen is a picture of the seven spirits of god you can see this in solomon's temple in moses tabernacle you have one menorah in moses tabernacle amen but in the temple that david designed that was meant to further illustrate what moses was trying to say properly explain the law what did, what did um, David do? There were five of these things on one side and another set of five on the other, corresponding to two hands with five fingers on each hand. Speaking of the finger of the Lord. So that means each of these things is the finger of the Lord or what is called the hand of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now look at the fruit of what happens here. Amen. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, or where the Spirit is Lord, where the Spirit of might is, amen, or where the Spirit is might, is knowledge, is wisdom, is the fear of the Lord, there is liberty. That liberty is the festival of Pentecost, the festival of weeks, the feast of Shavuot. Hallelujah. Remember the festival, right? We rejoice. We experience freedom and liberty. We sing, we dance. Being filled with the spirits, right? Singing to yourselves in, in songs and psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs. Speaking to one another, right? Making melody in your hearts unto the Lord. But we all 
with unveiled faces, right? In the holy place, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord, amen? I'm going to probably have to restate all of this the next time we get to share on this, but I hope the hand Lord came upon Ezekiel and carried him away. Yes, thank you, Papa, amen? You find the prophets, they, the reason why prophets had so much power, amen, was because they partook of Pentecost. Can I tell you something? And when someone is called to be a prophet, you can have giftings, amen? Let me, I'm just gonna say this bluntly, okay? You may have giftings of it, prophetic giftings, amen? But true prophetic ministry does not begin until you're partaking of Pentecost. I, I'm telling you the truth, honestly speaking, because I discovered something. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, what's that verse? Oh, come on, man. Hallelujah. Oh, okay, whatever, I'm just gonna let it go. Oh, come on, that's the verse that really explained this. But I hope you understand what I'm saying, right? There is, there is the driving out of dark influences. When I say dark influences, don't think about evil spirits or demons per se. The wisdom of this world. Amen. The wisdom of this world. I could really spend a lot of time. I think I'm going to spend a, maybe two or three explaining Pentecost properly so that we really understand what Pentecost is. Amen. But please hear what I'm saying, okay? True prophetic ministry takes... Yes, there we go. There's a verse in now that says... The scripture was written by men of God, right? The prophets of old, right? Who were moved by the Holy Spirit, okay? The reason why um, the epistles of Paul and the rest of them were canonized as scripture was because they wrote under this influence of the Spirit of the Lord. It wasn't that they just wrote uh, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, because maybe they write under the influence of the Spirit of God. They wrote their lives out. Their lives were what they wrote. They be, their lives were the epistle that they wrote out. Who knows what I'm saying? Amen? Hallelujah. So I, I'm hoping everyone can see here that these feasts, amen, are given prophetically as measurements for us in the body, amen? We need to measure up. And I'm saying we need to measure up because there is what qualifies, you know, when you see a dog, I like, this is what happens, okay? Because of expectations, because of, yes, expectations, if we don't have measurements, we will not have expectations, right? If we don't have all of these, I don't say rankings, all of these landmarks in our Christian walk, then whatever experience we experience, we'll just take it, right? Let's say you're a child of God, you're born again, but you're struggling with pornography. Oh, that's like, I know many, when I was in, when I caught fire for God, I went back to school, I met a friend that was struggling with drugs and pornography. And he said that your Christian life is like this. I said, my Christian life is not like this. My Christian life is like this. I might have a day period there, maybe slow down once, but I'm going upwards. I'm not doing like this. Now he was, he found it so weird. That I was saying that my life is going like this because all his life, he has just known this. It's like the, the eagle that was born in the chicken's nest, right? In the chicken farm. All his life, all he knows how to do is, you know, get the little grain thing they give him. But the day he sees an eagle, the standard is set. That's what I'm trying to point at here, okay? As believers, the seven feasts of God are letting us know, hallelujah, <laughs> that our Christian life, amen, there are things that are expected of us. We're not to take anything that happens in life just like that. No, no, no. There are some things that ought to be. Jesus Christ said, ought not this woman 
who is a seed of Abraham. Shouldn't she be free from this torment? How many years? 15 years? Was it 15 years? I think 15 years. Amen. There are things that ought to be. The feasts, they let us know our ought to be's. Honestly speaking, without these measurements, I would wonder, why is it that, why hasn't tabernacles happened yet? Have we not had the revivals and moves of God? Hallelujah. When we see the measurements, when we see the roadmap, when we see the table set before us, amen, then a more understanding will click, amen? There is a measure of God, the, a measure of the Spirit of God we're meant to feast on, a measure, amen? Or let me say like this, in a more romantic way, amen? There are dates that we need to go on with Jesus, amen? Some of these dates are dates of letting go, amen, of offenses. Some of them are, are days of getting lost in the word. Some of them are days of, of not using WhatsApp or Instagram or Facebook or YouTube. Some of them are days of spending time in prayer. Some of them are days of fasting, amen? All of these are different weeks, but there is a fullness of weeks called Shavuot. Once you click Shavuot, the finger of the Lord appears. It is appearing for one purpose, amen? The law of the spirits of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law. That is the liberty being described there. Amen. It was through those plagues that happened in Egypt that Israel experienced her freedom. Many believers, amen, it doesn't matter how much you declare who you are in Christ, that declaration, amen, is, is meant to bring about, amen, initiations or your, your, your declaration, amen, is meant to bring you to partake of the feast. You don't confess I'm new creation in Christ and then you now deny the feast. That doesn't make any sense, amen. You want to declare who you are in Christ and partake of the feast. Does that make sense? I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say here is that don't come up with some wise way of getting around feasting on God. Don't come up with some doctrine that makes us avoid this training, this part of our development, going on dates with Jesus. Like I heard some people say that, I'm a new Christian in Christ. I don't need the angels of God. Hmm. <laughs> you say, I'm a new Christian, I don't need Holy Ghost. Continue. Oh, I heard, you know, there's another one that when people said, I understand, I understand doctrinally, I can understand where this is, but I, I'm very careful about when I, when I hear things like I'm always like, I just watch very closely because I heard someone say something that when the Bible says those who are led by the spirits of God, they are the sons of God. They said that those who are led by their own spirits, they are the sons of God. Now your spirit is one with Christ. So there's no need for that distinction. But the fact that they brought up that distinction is what troubles me. <laughs> Understands what I'm saying. <laughs> Hallelujah. I get very concerned when I see things like that. I'm just like, are you trying to, the goal our union with God is the objective of this feast. And I've explained before that God does not exist in multiple forms. God is one. It's called the form of God. It is called the image statue of the fullness of Christ. It's called the image and likeness of God. One God. So anyone that appears in this form is inside that one God. There's only one God, one true God. So what I'm saying here is that as we partake of this feast and we are transformed into his likeness, understand that what's happening is that we are becoming more united with him the more united with god you become you do not introduce to god your ways of doing things that you got from your past life from the old man that is not how it works so who's going to be introducing who to who <laughs> who understands what i'm saying here there is no not submitting to god in this journey so i'm trying to say here amen this this entire diet we have set before us all of these seven feasts amen these days were meant to go on with Jesus. They're meant to bring our hearts 
under the influence of the spirits of the world. Where the spirit is Lord, where the spirit is Lord, there is liberty. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I should stop there because we are way over time. Amen. I want to thank you so much for joining us, beloved. Um, I want to appreciate all of you for taking time out to spend time in the word. Amen. I really hope this blessed you. Um, please, if you have questions, write them down and then we can you know, um, answer them during the next time. And then some of you already asked me questions already and I'll respond to these over WhatsApp. Okay, as soon as I get the chance to. Amen. Pastor Francis Seaboy sends his love and his greetings. Amen. And on behalf of the um, Kevin leadership and community, I want to tell you, um, have a Jesus, have a blessed night, have a blessed night and Jesus dreams. Um, I want to quickly put up here our upcoming Daniel Camp flyer. If you have not registered and you want to be part of that, amen, you can register by visiting our website, securingthenextgeneration.com. Amen. It's also on our Kevin website. So you also on our Instagram, you can go everywhere and you're going to find it. You're going to have difficulty not finding it on any of our um, social media channels. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us, beloved. I really hope this inspires you to spend some more time with the Lord. Go on dates with him. Amen. And partake of these feasts. Jesus loves you and goodbye. <laughs>